What's up, everyone? This is Janice Palaganis. Before you listen to this episode, we just want to give you a heads up that the audio is worse quality than our normal standards. Dan and I were visiting St. Pete's in Florida to teach a CMS simulation as a teaching tool course, and we had the opportunity to do a quick recording with Jenny Rudolph, our executive director. We didn't realize that the conditions weren't great for it, and our producer, James, wasn't around to set up the recording. So long story short, we thought it was an amazing conversation, that it was really important to share with you, even though the wind and some traffic noise, some airplanes make a few parts hard to hear. So please, we hope that you enjoy it. And if you're a real audiophile and it's going to bother you, maybe skip ahead to next week. Thanks so much for listening and being part of our interprofessional community. DJ Simulationistas. So, with Dr. D, Dan Raymer, and Dr. J, Janice Palaganis, coming at you from the Center for Medical Simulation in Boston, Massachusetts. So buckle up your mannequin and let's roll. Ah, wake up! <laughs> Welcome to DJ Simulationistas. You're here with Janice Palaganis, Dan Raymer, and... Jenny Rudolph. I am really lucky right now because I'm with my two mentors and we are, we're a little tired because we've just finished setting up for a course here in Tampa. St. Pete's Clearwater with our beloved friend, Jennifer Arnold. Yes. Yes. Wonderful being with Jen. So over dinner, we had a really great discussion around journal article submission reviews and being a reviewer. The last time I did a review, it took me about four days It had occurred to me on like day three, am I even doing this right? (laughs) So I would like to hear how you both do your reviews and maybe I'll learn some new tips. Sure. So I think that doing a review is a really sacred responsibility. I think it's just really important that as scientists, professionals, that we look over each other's shoulders and help each other. So I think the most important thing about doing a review is to create a stance where you're saying, I'm going to be really critical here in order to help the authors come up with the best possible presentation of their work Mm -hmm. as possible. And so sometimes that's really hard to maintain that stance because you want to say, ah, this is trash. Oh, they should have done it this way or that way. Instead of how can I help them, you know, really get this right. And so I think that's the first step is to drink your herbal tea and take your your, uh, yoga pose and kind of put yourself in a place where you're telling yourself, I'm really going to try to help these people. Yeah. I wonder if that's also based on all of your experience with receiving reviews and learning how helpful the review process is to your own writing that you're able to reframe like that. You know, it's so interesting that you brought that up, Dan, because I'm, I'm partially hearing some of the things that we talk about and Kim Scott talks about in terms of 
uh, caring personally but challenging directly, or high standards and high regard. And I'm realizing that the stinging reviews that I have gotten over the years at various times have forced me to the other side of the feedback conversation, which is just like in the book, thanks for the feedback. Uh You know, once I get over crying or going home with my tail between my legs and feeling completely insulted and I should leave the field and blah, 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 then I go and I try to just pay attention to the content and listen for what they're saying, as the reviewers are saying to me. But I do think that what you're saying is so crucial It's so funny, I never thought about this for reviews, but everything we teach or think about in teaching and learning regarding lowering cognitive load so that people can hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. You know, if I give you the message in a nasty gram package, it's that much harder for you to hear it. And so I love your point about, you know, the first step or art or commitment or sacred commitment of reviewing is getting yourself to a curious and respectful place where you want to help. I love that you... Well, now I'm really interested in reading your reviews because there must be an art to actually writing in a way where it's received. I I suppose. I mean, I think they're, like most of these things, there's sort of two parts of it. There's There's a set of grammar or a process of doing it, but then there's the art of conveying that point of view that I'm trying to help you and I want this to be better and I'm really curious about why you did it this way or that way. Yeah. And so those are in some ways two separate things. When when I'm reviewing a paper, I always start by just reading the paper with trying to form no particular judgments other than I would as the average reader on the street in the field who Uh should be able to read this paper and get something from it. I read it and I put it down and I walk away from it and I just let it percolate. I, you know, kind of have little thoughts about it now and then. And then a day or two later, I pick it up again and I really start to read it seriously the second time. And the way I do it the second time is I jump to the last sentence of the first paragraph or the first section of the article. Okay. Because the last sentence of the first section of the article always needs to say, therefore, we sought to prove that sliced bread is better than unsliced bread. So they got to state their hypothesis. What were they trying to show in their experiment, or if it's not an experimental paper, what are they trying to, what are they trying to convey? And I take that sentence, and I retype it, and I put it up in the wall in front of me. And then when I go through the review, I always look back to that sentence and say, did what I just read advance or detract or is neutral compared to what they said That's they so were cool. doing. I do not do that. Um, and, and if they don't have that sentence, I reject it immediately. I just write that I don't see the hypothesis in this. The first paragraph's got to contain, and the first section has to contain what the authors are trying to achieve here. I'd be more than happy to review this again after it's rewritten to include that. And I've done that a couple times. Because without that, 
I don't know what I'm measuring it against. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Dan Raymer reviewing your article. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. If you get that, you know. Actually, actually, that's such an interesting question. So, do you know who John Severinghouse is? He invented the blood gas. He's like the, the most, one of the most amazing individuals in healthcare. You know, he did all these experiments on oxygenation and he developed the oxyhemoglobin dissociation curve. And so he is an anesthesiologist at the University of California, San Francisco. He always works alone. He's, he's, he's just kind of a brilliant guy who does all this cool stuff. And so he would often review papers in journals that I was publishing in. And I once got a review back and, you know, it was kind of scathing. And at the bottom, it said John Severinghouse. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God. And I knew him well enough to call him up and say, John, you wrote this review. I want to talk to you about it. But the first thing I want to know is, do you always sign your reviews? Like, uh -huh. I thought they were anonymous and that you would never do that. He said, of course I sign them. Why, why shouldn't they know who's reviewing it? And if they want to talk to me about it, I'm happy to talk. What's your problem with it? You know, it was a piece of crap you sent me, Dan. And I was like, you know, I was like, he was so upfront. And I just thought, oh, my God. I mean, he is a person that I just so admired throughout my career. Just so honest and pure, you know, and I just thought, why don't I sign my reviews? And I never do. I haven't been able to, <laughs> I, I haven't been able to bring myself <laughs> to actually sign it. I, I don't know why. Because you're working on the art of actually providing. I think, I think, the... yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think like, I'm not John Severinghouse and I'm not so brilliant and famous. And so it would seem like it's kind of from me, like, you know, like, what am I trying to convey here? That, that I'm, I'm famous, you should listen to me? Uh, you know, I, think, I, I think it's a very subtle issue. I have put my name in a few reviews, not every review. And I just feel like it's a matter of integrity for me. Like, they're going to recognize my voice anyway. The issues that I'm bringing up with them, they're going to know that it's me. And I'd much rather have the ovaries to put my name at the bottom and uh, so I have done it a couple times well um, I want to know your process Jenny what do you do it was so interesting to hear Dan because there were some things that were similar and some things that were different so one thing I do is as I'm reading the paper the first time I actually have a separate note page and I just constantly make comments all the way through like oh bold oh uh, courageous. Oh, totally don't understand that point. And I write the line number of where I see it because I don't always remember everything that I think as I read it. And often what I then am able to do is I go back and I take all my comments, almost like raw data. And then I kind of do almost a little qualitative analysis of my many, many comments. And then that helps me get some themes of how I am reacting. Wow, that's but, like a research study on it. <laughs> but it's, it's, I find it, I feel like it's the lazy woman's way to review because I just really? read and let myself react and I'm like, boom, 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 boom. But one of the things I do exactly the same as Dan is I read it on one day 
and I then just park it in my yeah. brain. And I know that like as I'm walking around or washing the dishes or whatever, different ideas are going to come to me and uh-huh. I write them down. One of the things I think may be different as a reviewer on, I'm not sure, is I am always super focused on, I mean, everybody's focused on how to make this paper better, but I am super focused on being extremely practical. I I really focus on, you know, if you do that and you do this and you take out this section and you add some description of this, that piece will be much better able to be understood. So the clarity. Yeah. So the other thing that's similar to Dan is I look for, and this might be my training in organizational behavior, but I was always taught by my mentors that you have to make clear what is the contribution of the paper. What are you advancing in the field? Are you answering a question? Are you filling a gap? Or what are you going to better? That's where I do sort of what you do at the beginning, Dan. I step back and I'm like, if I'm a reader of the Journal of Simulation in Healthcare, I'm a reader of Academic Medicine, or I'm a reader of Journal of Organizational Behavior and Decision Making. So we do look at it from the same perspective, just take different steps. Yeah, so tell us a little more about yours. Well, what I love about you, what you were saying is that what's important to you is the storytelling and the clarity of how it's told and how it actually contributes from that standpoint. And that's really interesting. I, th- I think for me, I read it the first time and I think, what's the contribution, the new contribution? And I think, who is this going to impact? Is there enough in this paper that those people can actually take it and use it? And I think I learned that more from Jeff Cooper trying to figure out how can, just like you were saying, how can the content be more helpful? I think you were saying the same thing by saying, how can I help the authors get the content I'd like to maybe there? build on that and just how to get the content out there. One of my first papers that I got, one of my most painful, stinging reviews when I was a, still a doctoral student in org behavior, I was so mad at the reviewers. I thought they were so mean. But once I got over it and, you know, went back to look at their review, I could see that they were really trying to help me. And one of the things they suggested, I almost always use in my reviews of other people now, which is a little recipe for how you explain the significance of your paper, which you don't have to use exactly, but I I often try to think about it for myself with my own papers, which is, why is this problem important? What's the importance of the problem? How, you know, well, who cares? Secondly, what does the current literature say about this problem? Third, what are the deficiencies of the current literature? Or what does it say and what are the deficiencies? Four, how am I going to address those deficiencies? Am I going to do a new kind of method? Am I going to do a new kind of data? Am I going to do a new kind of theory? And then they coached me, and people often find this a little bit controversial, to foreshadow in a couple sentences or two your most important findings. So I love seeing people foreshadow because I'm like, it's like the nut paragraph in a, a newspaper article, like, don't bury the lead. Like, what's the exciting thing here? But I've had people sometimes send papers back to me when I do foreshadow. They're like, what the hell are you doing with the results up in the introduction? I usually can argue my way into that. But I do want to shift into how the art of writing the feedback. So Dan and I, the last podcast we had talked about was I recapped our presentation uh-huh. on deliberately developmental efforts and work. 
And we just had this great conversation around what we look for. And here you are. I felt like I spent two days writing another paper in terms of my review. And now I'm wondering, did I follow all of these rules that we just talked about in my actual writing back to the authors? And I did receive the revision. It's a strong piece of work, lots of work to be done. And I had realized that they had confused some of my feedback. Mm. And so there's definitely an art that I need to work on with writing that feedback where you don't get that initial sting. Mm -hmm. You realize the reviewer is really trying to help you. And do we actually follow the rules as we write the review out to the reviewers? Well, my top thing, just to continue from where we are, is contribution. Is there a contribution? Is there something that's going to help the field? And if there isn't a contribution, then I dig, 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 dig through the article to try to find a little morsel or nugget or diamond in the rough, something that I think they're trying to say that I'm like, could this be the contribution? Could this be the contribution? So part of my writing, my main review writing process is after I have all my comments and I sort of qualitatively analyze all my little unthought out responses, then I step back and I'm like, number one, what is the contribution? I try to help them clarify it by saying what I think it is based on what they said. Uh And then basically I go through their entire paper and try to have it crisply support whatever main argument they're trying to make by analyzing how they use their methods. Usually if I'm analyzing in depth, it's a qualitative paper because I'm not a really quant jock of any sort. And I've sometimes gone so far as to like look down into their data, like all the nitty gritty and say, listen, you're saying you're coding X this way. I actually think when you said X is X, it's actually Y. And the reason you're confused, your, your findings are confused is you miscoded X and Y, and I think it should be like this. They might not agree with me, but I'm trying to help them clarify everything in service of their... So you just said that so beautifully humble. We're we're reading Humble Inquiry right now for part of our book club. Do you write that in your text? Like, I may not... I may be wrong. Yes, I do. do. Okay. I do. I absolutely do. I mean, I don't want to... So it's it's a delicate art because... I don't. I want to give the editors enough. I was going to use the word ammunition, which is an unfortunate metaphor. Enough ideas to compel the authors to do what the editor wants them to do. Mm-hmm. And if I'm too wimpy, then the editor can't say reviewer said you must. Reviewer two said you must. But I do try to equivocate if I feel like there's more than one way. And then I'll write a separate note to the editor saying. I, I soft-pedaled this a little bit because I think they could go this way or they could go that way. If you need me to, um, you know, add more, say it differently to help you make your point, let me know. Yeah, I think um, I likewise try to put myself in the comments and I use the first person mm-hmm. and I'll often say, you know, I don't understand this point and I'm confused between this point and that point. I'm not sure if it's the way it's written or you intended something else, please explain. And, and so I try to have some inquiry in it and try to ask some polite question about what the authors intended. So I try to put myself in it if I can. I love this. How about you, Janice? 
What about your, what's uh, your process? I try to write the way I would if I were speaking to them. So I, I do try to make it personal, but you never know how it's received. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's received well or if it's stingy, especially because when it's, when I feel like it's really important content that can contribute to the field, I spend lots of days writing feedback. And so they'll get this long list and that in itself, seeing this long review could be a sting. Yeah. Hmm. I wanted to say something about how long to spend on reviews because I used to spend a long time on reviews. And I finally (laughs) decided that the length of time I spent did not necessarily equal a better review every time. So what I try to do now is like budget a certain amount of time depending on the length of the paper, the complexity. I'm like, I'm going to spend four hours or I'm going to spend two hours or I'm going to spend six hours and I am not, I'm going to do the best review I can in that period. You know, it usually takes me at least an hour to read the paper, really understand it. But after that, I set a budget. So I realize just by this, by what you're saying, I actually budget based on my initial review and the the degree of contribution. Mm. Like I will spend weeks if I think it's something really great, and well, if it doesn't seem to be contributing, I'll I'll budget. Oh, that's like good. Four that's, hours. Yes, that's very. But good. maybe I should just keep the same amount of time. Well, I'd love to know. I mean, this would be what really interesting do? to find out across um, reviewers how long do they spend. I I don't budget a particular amount of time. I I spend a relatively large amount of time. I I do my reviews are often lengthy. I try to separate them into general comments which capture the themes uh, that I see. I'm concerned about the lack of a control group. I I think this is interesting but too small an end to really make the conclusion that's being made here, you know, general things like that. And then I go into a lot of line-by-line detail to read the paper. I think where the time comes in for me is if I really am not, that it takes some more expertise than I have on the particular topic, Mm -hmm. and I feel like I really should go and read some lots of literature on on a particular topic or aspect of it. That um, And then after a while, I've learned that um, if this is so esoteric that I'm having to go read a whole bunch of papers. Either I need to say to the editor, I'm not the right person to review this. Oh, that's so good to know. Or, <laughs> or I need to say that this is not clear enough for the average reader of this journal. And unless it's rewritten in a way that's more accessible, the average reader isn't going to be able to do any better with it than I am as this reviewer struggling with how many papers do I need to read to make a judgment about what they're saying so I I don't know I I don't have a I don't have a particular amount of time there have been some that I I, I still think that what's it going to take to make this paper worthwhile I want to make a point about that though if I read the paper and the second time I think that this really shouldn't be published because they're purporting to do an experiment, but they don't have any research design is insufficient to, to mm-hmm. do what they're saying, um, then I don't spend a lot of time. I'm perfectly happy to say, you know, nice try, guys, but uh, the research design doesn't support 
what you're saying here and I can't recommend publishing it. Mm. And so I reject, you know, a fair number of papers, not the majority of them, but, you know, a third of them come through and they're just not really publishable. And if they want to take it to another journal and try to publish it at a lower quality journal, fine. But if I think I can't help them by them rewriting it, they really need to do another experiment or they need to do more work, then I have to say that. I don't want to be responsible for things being published that are weak science or that are just, you know, inadequate and basically rumors rather than some, you know, something substantive. So I am big on trying to help them, but I'm not going to help them publish something that it doesn't deserve to be published. Yeah, I'm with Dan on that 100%. I try to I really look, as I said, I really try to find the nugget, diamond, the thing that's there that can flower into something, you know, more substantial. But sometimes it's just not there or, you know, and then I'll just say, look, I just, I think the basic study was flawed or the basic argument is flawed or you haven't clarified the contribution. I can't see where this is going and without clarifying what that is. I'm just thinking as we're talking about this that... Jenny and I wrote a paper, and it got a scathing review. And I just remember how angry we all were about the review. And it took us many hours of decompressing to get ourselves to where one of us, it was actually me, said, let me give it a try to rewrite it according to Uh what they did. And I think we all agreed at the end of a very long and painful process that the review helped us immensely yeah and it basically was the review was you're trying to do way too much here and say too much and really what your work here is is a much smaller piece and if you just say that smaller piece it'll be better yeah and and i i think about that review sometimes when I'm writing a review how helpful that really was. Well, thank you because this is this was really great and just think about how many people are out there that have received reviews that don't receive them well and really great research that doesn't get published because the art of writing a review is missing and so I think this is really helpful. I think it's helpful for our listeners, definitely helpful for me. I've learned a few things. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Janice. And you'll get a review of this podcast (laughs) (laughs) from each of us soon. Well, you know, I mean, because I've been talking a lot about the fallibility of research. And so just trying to figure out where research is going and a contributing factor to the fallibility is the bias of the reviewers and, you know, the naysaying and the, the saying, directing authors where to go. So thank you. Thank you. DJ Simulationistas, sup? It's brought to you by the Center for Medical Simulation. Find out more about CMS and learn about our simulation instructor training and course offerings at www.harvardmedsim.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.